This is Vance Crow. I'm Alex Craner. My name's David John Parker. This is Alex Epstein. This is Leighton Gray, and you're listening to the Sean Newman Podcast. Welcome to the podcast, folks. Happy Friday. Hope everybody's week is moving along. We got uh, June 10th coming up uh, here in just a little over a month. That's the next SMP Presents here in Lloydminster, Luongo and Craner. I'm talking Tom Luongo, Alex Craner, going to be on stage in Lloydminster. I think that is going to be a uh, electric, fun night and if you haven't uh, if you don't know who I'm talking about go back and listen to the five different episodes Tom uh, Luongo Alex Schreiner but on the podcast if you know what I'm talking about you know what I'm talking about and they're going to be here in Lloydminster at the Gold Horse Casino tickets are in the show notes the link there click on it you can get tickets through there and uh, looking forward to that night uh, a ton um, before we get on to today's episode let's uh, talk about some of the sponsors of today's episode uh, first Rectech power products for over 20 years the team over there have been committed to excellence in the power sports industry. They got a full lineup all over the place here. They got Can Am, Skidoo, Sea-Doo, Spider, Mercury, Evinrude, Mahindra Roxer. If you go into their showroom, uh, which is located on the west side of Lloyd, uh, just the amount of uh, the, the amount of toys that they got sitting there is is something else. And uh, I got a twist on uh, Alan and Ryan, maybe to you know let let somebody play with us a couple of those toys. You know, uh, regardless, <laughs> just go to RecTechPowerProducts.com. You can see exactly what I'm talking about. They're open Monday through Saturday, and uh, they can get you hooked up. You know, with um, obviously different. Uh, um, different, uh, I'm going to say machinery, but recreational vehicles is what I was kind of thinking. Uh, but also any odds and ends or maintenance that uh, that you might need. McGowan Professional Chartered Accountant, that's Kristen and team. Uh, I'm happy to say my taxes are filed, I've paid, everything's up to snuff. And I just got to say, if uh, you're looking for an accountant or somebody to uh, be working in the financial industry for you, you know, uh, they offer accounting, bookkeeping, business consulting, training, financial planning, and tax planning. She works with a wide range of businesses, uh, but mainly in agricultural, retail, not-for-profit, and the oil and gas sectors. All you have to uh, do is go to mcgowancpa.ca uh, for more information, and uh, they can get you all hooked up there. Ignite Distribution out of Wainwright, Alberta. That's Shane Stafford. They can supply automotive, uh, industrial safety, welding, uh, parts for you they got on-site inventory manage uh, management so if you want to make sure you never run out of what you need because obviously what you need keeps you moving every day they can take care of that for you as well just give uh, shane a call 780-842-3433 now let's get on to that tail of the tape brought to you by hancock petroleum for the past 80 years they've been an industry leader in bulk fuels lubricants methanol and chemicals delivering to your farm commercial or oil field locations for more information visit them at hancockpetroleum.ca First as a goalie for the AAA Notre Dame Hounds, the second is her father. Together they've hopped on as a daughter and father duo to talk about vaccine side effects. I'm talking about Mackenzie and Seth Bloom. So buckle up, here we go. Well, welcome to the Sean Newman Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Seth and Mackenzie Bloom. So first off, thanks for uh, for doing this and coming in. Thanks for having us. Um, I don't know how to start this. I, I've never had. I'm trying to rack my brain. And 
I don't think I've ever had ever had a father daughter combo ever come in. So this is, might be a first for the studio, uh, for the podcast in general. Um, so I, I don't I don't know where you two want to start. It's kind of I'm kind of going to let you two grab the reins of this, and I'll just poke and prod as we go along. We can certainly pick on your dad for a bit if you'd like, Mackenzie. You know, him tout and he listened to podcasts before podcasts. As we start this thing, I'm like, well, that's interesting. What was before podcast? Because I don't seem to remember recalling uh, downloading anything that uh, resembled what goes on now well in the earlier 2000s that's they weren't called podcasts back there but they were um long-form interviews or lectures maybe even you had to download them off the internet put them on a zune or a ipod touch or something like that to listen to mp3s and wear headphones where were you getting where were you finding these lectures from uh that's funny i i don't know how i stumbled onto them but I followed Q Files, um, PID Radio. There were lots actually, and I still have them all saved on an old computer. <laughs> and I probably have ten thousand. How many times, Mackenzie, has he told you this story? Well, in the past two days, probably three times. <laughs> okay, well, I can prove it. I do have them. <laughs> well, how about we start with uh, a little bit of background on yourselves, uh, just where you're from. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. Uh, Mackenzie, I certainly know you're a hockey player, goaltender. Uh, just give the audience a little bit of feel for, for you know, maybe for Mackenzie, uh, age, where you're from, where you're going to school, just a, just a little bit of background, just so if a person is tuning into this, they can kind of get a feel for who they're listening to. Okay, I'm 16. I'm originally from Turtleford, but this past school year I've been billeting in Notre Dame for hockey. And then I moved home probably two months ago because of a health issue from the shot. Sure. And we'll, we'll get into that. You're a goaltender? Yeah. Why goaltending? Um, well, I didn't plan to be a goalie, but one day dad brought home goalie equipment and told me I had to play because I wasn't good enough to be an out player. So, so that's the type of relationship. <laughs> it wasn't that harsh. I realized back then when girls hockey wasn't um, as popular as it is now. The only way we would have girl teams in our area is if we found goalies. You can always find skaters. You can't find goalies. And there was no one around, so we decided to go that direction, and it worked out quite nicely. I, and I assume you uh, excelled at it rather rapidly then, because, I mean, like, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but by the end you're playing AAA. It's not like you're just, like, in there and you're a shooter tutor by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, no, she she grabbed onto it. The first year was a little Awful. bit scary. Icings were, uh, <laughs> you'd hold your breath. But uh, we went to camps and got our proper instruction. I briefly, well, I went and bought equipment and tried to learn the position myself so I could teach. Then realized I wasn't good enough for that. And we got better people in to help her learn. I assume being Seth's daughter has its interesting moments. I'm sure my children would say the same thing about me. I don't mean that as a uh, talking down or anything. Just that um, I can't imagine my father buying goalie equipment and being like, okay, hey, you're going to do this? And I'm going to buy some too so I can help you along. Well, he picks projects and kind of doesn't stop until he finishes them. And I guess goaltending was one of them. Are you happy that uh, he uh, took an interest in goaltending? Because, I mean, it obviously opened you up some opportunities. In the long run, yes. But at the start, I kind of hated him for a bit. 
but we're good now. <laughs> but, but we're good now. Yes. It, it took a couple years to adapt to it. Seth, uh, for the listener, uh, obviously you're the father of Mackenzie, but uh, um, maybe paint a, a little bit of better picture. Where, where are you from? And uh, I don't know, you, you, we, we tease you about uh, listening to podcasts before there were podcasts. What's your background? And, and I don't know, just a little bit if uh, you want to share with the audience who you are. Well, our family grew up, uh, well, we live in Turtleford. Uh, I grew up in, on a family farm just outside of Turtleford. My wife uh, lived in Vermilion, then moved to Calgary, and by circumstance, we met when she was going to U of S. Um, we are the prototypical normal family, just we're community-oriented, uh, volunteer in the community, we've been on the minor hockey board, I've been on our local town council, you know, do stuff in the community, uh, volunteer coaching, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, Mackenzie is our daughter, Tylan's my son, uh, all play different sports, um, that's kind of where as normal as it gets. Fair. Uh, well, let's talk then. Uh, you know, walks in the pandemic, you know, and kind of throws us all for a loop. I, I certainly have my side of it. And I was telling you guys when we first had coffee, you know, the, the thing I was, I don't know, I was thankful for, but I, I mean, no matter what, which way I look at it, having super young kids, um, I hope, you know, and I guess we'll find out as the years go on, but I hope I shielded them as best I could from all the insanity that continues to kind of play out. From the Blooms side of things, uh, you know, walk me through it. And and I, I don't know, whatever you want to share, and I'll see if I can't poke and prod as we go. Well, first, uh, from my perspective, you were probably luckier having younger kids because you could shield. We had two teenagers. That made things tough with social pressures, uh, sports, school, uh, small town. Everyone knows your position on things, and I was fairly vocal so people knew my position I never wanted this for her but they found a leverage point and I guess by they I mean the health system the government all of the above and they found a pinch point that worked and, and what was the pinch point then it'd be hockey for us the opportunity to go to Notre Dame and for the record like their program uh, everything about Notre Dame we really liked they did well my only problem with Notre Dame is they required two shots to go. And we had been given insur uh, assurances at the beginning that it would be gone. Don't worry about it. So we started down the path, and when we were told it was required, I don't know how to back out of it at that point, and I couldn't find any way to get out of it. And how about from your eyes, Mackenzie? You know, like, I mean, I... I when I think back to um, my younger years, when I finally got to, uh, you know, kind of, uh, I was a, little, a smidge older than you, but at 17, I got to go to LaRange for a month and play some junior A there. And then at 18, of course, uh, as I was saying earlier, when we were joking about Hellebuck and the Winnipeg Jets and, and a favorite goalie of yours, uh, that I played in Dryden. And uh, certainly that was 18, and I got to go. And, and uh, those opportunities at a young age, um, Anytime somebody like believes in you and wants you to come play for their team and you love a sport, it's like, heck yes, like let's go. Like this is gonna be a ton of fun. So from your eyes, uh, or, or your experience, what do you recall about uh, 
um, the opportunity to go play Notre Dame. Uh, and, you know, I mean, the the requirements, as sad as it is to say, it overtook everything back then, even, even now uh, in certain uh, instances, you know, uh, with the U.S., it's just uh, taking them off May 11th. But I'm curious, uh, from your eyes, how do you really, you know, walk through, walk us through it? Well, I never really thought I was going to get the shot. Like, it was never something I wanted to do. But playing the highest level hockey possible was something. And I was overlooked a lot because of my height and being young. So when Notre Dame finally called me, as soon as they called me, I knew that's what I wanted to do. And I don't think there was changing my mind, even if it was to get the vaccine, because in my head right then, that was the most important thing, was getting to go to Notre Dame and prove myself. And I didn't think of the consequences after. We had a moment uh, after they'd phoned and recruited. We went down, toured the facility, and had a talk with the coach and met teachers and stuff. We were driving away, and I remember turning around to try and start the conversation. You, This is a more difficult decision than you think it is. And the look she gave me, if I said no, she wouldn't have spoke to me for 20 years. And I know that. And I don't blame you. I understand. But that was that was clear. And just your face was glowing until I turned around and said, but. And then you snapped. And I get it. It's chasing a dream. And that was her dream. So lead us through it then. Uh, you decide to go to Notre Dame. Um, was there an opportunity, you know, like uh, I think of Terry Anderson, actually, and, and religious exemptions and, and different things like that was, I don't know, just lead me through it. What Maybe it was just like, no, we're just going to go get it. We're going to move on with life and not a big deal. Well, I thought at that point I hadn't heard anything bad from the vaccine yet. So I thought, well, if everyone else has it, no one else is hurt yet. I don't think it will happen to me. Because we hadn't heard any stories like that yet, and some people have had it for quite a while at that point. So I didn't really think it through as much as Mom and Dad did. I'm not sure where to jump in on that. Um, Well, we did go to our family doctor, um, the three of us, and sat down, and I tried to force an informed consent debate with the doctor. And it went for 20 minutes. And I pointed out all the risks, including, you know, potential um, reproductive health issues, which were clear, myocarditis, pericarditis, uh, everything that I knew was being talked about as potential. We did discuss it with the doctor. It was pretty frustrating because all I really got was safe and effective. Uh, I beat away at that for a while and it turned into it will prevent long COVID. And Sean, as much reading as I've done, I can't tell the difference between long COVID and vaccine injury. It's the same thing. I haven't been able to find what designates the two separates them when is this when when uh, when is when are you deciding notre dame is it you're talking to the family doctor Uh, give me a time frame is this 2021 2022 2022 may was it may may is when i got the phone call and offered a spot 
uh, started June, we went and toured, and then I think July or August, we went to the doctor. Yes, yeah, because we, as of June, when we went, um, well, we had that conversation leaving Notre Dame, went into Regina to Costco and kind of talked as we walked around. And I left, went out early, and then phoned the coach back and told him my reservations and that I didn't like the idea of her needing to be vaxxed. And I am not throwing mud at the coach for this. He figured that it wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't be an issue by fall, that it was disappearing and it wouldn't be mandated. So we kind of went with that, and I really liked the coach. Craig was a, is a really good guy. So we kind of went with that, that let's kick the ball down the road, let's agree to go, and hope that this disappears. Because a lot of signs in 2022 were this was disappearing. So we kind of made a gamble, I guess. When do you get the shot? Like, uh, what uh, what part of 2022? You mentioned the, the different months there as you get closer and closer to going to Notre Dame. When does it become apparent, like, well, I'm going to have to get it? We got the email from Notre Dame in, what time did you, was it in August you moved down? Yeah. Okay. It was just over a month prior to her having to move down that we got the email from Notre Dame saying, it's required, you have to do it. And I think my second shot was like a week before I officially It was right moved. before you went. Yeah, so we had very limited time. We had to either do it or walk. And this is where I wade into uncharted waters. So apologies if I step on any hot button issues, anything like that, Mackenzie. Just trying to um, pull out as much as I can from you. As soon as you get the shot, anything happen? Or is it is it an, a, a, a long time before anything starts showing up? Uh, the first shot, I was fine. But then the second shot, I got sick for probably two days. Yes. But then for, I think, two weeks, I was fine. So, yeah. The first shot, I, I was kind of closing my eyes. I didn't like it. I didn't know what to do. And it was happening. So after she'd had the first shot, I remember watching very carefully. I didn't know when they'd went. I couldn't pick it out. There was no change. Color was good. She was happy, healthy, bouncing around. It's all good. After the second one, she came home immediately and kind of the typical flu-like symptoms and laid out, no energy, sleeping, didn't feel good for a couple days. Um, well, this is your story. I'll let you keep going. Well, then probably once I moved to Notre Dame, like officially that's when everything started up, I'd say. And it started with bad back like I've never had back problems but like it was to the point where I couldn't sit comfortably or lay comfortably and I don't know why and then as soon as the back finished probably two weeks later my hips got bad I think basically this is uh, and you can read about this about adverse uh, reactions inflammation is one of the first things that happens right and that's what she had she had a bad uh, inflammatory response and it started in the back, moved into her hips to the point where it was hard to play, right? Limited mobility. But Are you still playing at this point in time? Yeah. I went to the Cairo once a week and I'd wrap myself up. We were treating a hip flexor injury, but it wasn't that. No, and we were trying a laser therapy and all kinds of different remedies because this is early on and I hadn't even connected dots at this point. Um, so we were trying all kinds of things to try and uh, mitigate what was happening, but 
uh, it wasn't working. It was just progressively kind of getting worse. Mobility was getting worse. And as time went on, you start to pick up colds and little bugs and your color was changing. Your energy level was dropping badly. But she pushed through till about November. Um, well, and I just come back to you, Mackenzie. You know, first it's a couple little things. And, you know, as a hockey player, you're like, oh, man, I can't. My, my hips are, and you just think, oh, I must have nagged something somewhere. I, like, I can just, you know, like it's, oh, it must have been that play where I stretched and, and all of a sudden it's, oh, I just won't get better and it won't get better. At what point do you start to think, man, there, there's something odd going on here because I can't just seem to catch a break or, you know, I, I'm, I'm sick again or whatever it is. Honestly, for my hip and back, I never questioned it. I just thought I wasn't used to the pace of Notre Dame because we work out every day, cardio every day, skate every day, and I wasn't used to that, so I assumed my body would just take a while to adjust. But we didn't question it probably till end of November because then I got very sick on a bus ride home. And what's what's very sick? Like I'm... I was coughing up green and red stuff. I couldn't breathe. My heart was racing fast. I just felt like death, honestly. Yeah, and by heart racing, like we figured out around that time after our first trip to the um, ER. So we, you, you, sorry, Seth, you go to the ER after this bus trip? Yeah, once we got home, my auntie picked me up and we spent 10 hours in the ER. I think it was more than 10, but it was, something it was all like that. night plus. And, and could what did they say well it's just to fill in so yeah she she couldn't breathe and heart was racing like well above 200 um we figured out at that point that we needed to start taking vitals ourselves so we bought a blood pressure cuff uh, an apple watch so we could do o2 ecg um and heart rate and monitor it as, as much as possible so we had all that stuff so we we do have those stats all written out. It's not like we're just thinking back and grabbing numbers. But so when we went in, they did a chest X-ray, yes, a swab and a urine sample, and I think I had pneumonia and a. Well, that's where it starts to infection. get interesting. Yes, the first doctor said that you had pneumonia, and uh, and so that's what I was treated for for a week. Was pneumonia? Yeah. Yes. So we're a week later, and you'd went back to school and um feeling better no but we had the mandy schwartz tournament coming up in a few weeks and it's the biggest tournament notre dame hosts so i wanted to be there for that so i assumed if i went earlier i could ease back into it before actually having to play yeah at this point she was still chasing the dream wanting to play pushing through and for a lot of people with uh, symptoms like this where you're just having trouble breathing it doesn't manifest physically where you can, like you, Sean, could watch her and go, wow, she looks sick. You couldn't quite see that, right? Except for uh, a little bit of, I'm not going to say panic breathing, but. So this must have been difficult on you because teenage girl, doesn't matter if you're a teenage girl, teen or boy, you're playing a competitive sport and you have something that isn't like your arms missing. So everyone's like, come on. Mackenzie, just suck it up. Let's go here. We got practice. We got this. We got this big tournament coming up. I assume that was a very um, challenging time. That was a huge problem. Like my teammates, through a mask, they can't really see that. Like I honestly can't breathe on the ice, and cold air at that time would destroy me. And we kind of had a cold rink, 
And so I'd be practicing and I'd have to step out of the net and I could feel people just glaring at me. Or people around campus, they'd be like, why is Kenzie so-and-so? Like, no one seemed to believe that I was sick because I didn't look it exactly. And so that was harder because then I was scared that if I didn't perform 100%, they would never... It's not an excuse, but they wouldn't believe that I was sick and just blame me. Yeah, I'm a 37-year-old man who fell on a puck the other day at noon hour hockey, okay? Mm-hmm. And it hurt, uh, as only an odd fall on hockey surface can, and as you get older, it doesn't get better. And I'm like, I'm like looking at my leg, and I'm like, for the love of God, can you just go black and blue so when I walk in the dressing room people are like you hurt yourself instead I just sound like a, a, a big old wuss even though my hip is sore so this is like I think if you're a, a sports athlete everybody gets it you, you want to turn black and blue so everyone can go oh I get it Sidney Crosby gets hit uh, by who was that Ovechkin who was the guy from Washington where he has the neck problem and you could tell for a long time people were like come on Sid stop sucking it or whatever it is right and then he gets it it, it's it's like this tale as old as time, honestly, and especially in competitive sports. Unless your arm's missing, people want you to run through it. Mm-hmm. Concussions are the one where you can't see it, but you know the guy's kind of... And I mean, think of it even today. You know, uh, the guy just got smoked in the Ranger game by Truba. And you're like, now we're like, that guy's got to go for concussion <laughs> protocol. Um, what was it? Paul Korea? Yes. Oh, what was that? Oh, man. Is that 1999? Long Somewhere in there? Ago. He gets crunched by Stevens, is out cold, and then comes back the same game and drills him on top shelf. That's the way the culture has shifted. So, anyways, I'm, 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 I'm giving a little bit of background here and just that I, I can see how teammates can be because uh, I've probably done it to other people as well where you're like, come on, just get in the net. Let's go here. And uh, for somebody to be battling with something like this that already the media and everybody else doesn't want to touch with a 10-foot pole, I assume, well, I just, I mean, I, I can assume a lot of different things from that. To, to, be, to be clear, just so this goes the right way, um, you loved your teammates. It's just because oh, yeah. it, it might sound like you're... Oh, I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm I, not trying I to paint wanna, that picture at all. I do not want to leave that hanging because, I, I mean, her bedroom wall has team pictures all across it that's what it is there's no hard feelings it's it's just normal no and that's i guess that's what i was trying to say is yeah. like it's normal for athlete this is what we do right like that's what we do across the board even i assume soccer players who like to <laughs> flop a little maybe bit. not soccer. maybe not soccer players <laughs> um well it was different in the way that the environment like i felt the pressure because everyone's a student athlete in notre dame like everyone is pushing through different injuries and the pneumonia well we call it the pneumonia it seemed to be going on for way longer than it should be i was done my antibiotics and i should be better at this point but i wasn't getting better and so mandy schwartz finally came and that was my first game back and I remember going up the stairs after the game to see mom and dad and like having no energy to even talk anymore. Like, You did well that game. That was the thing. No one could know. No yeah. one could tell that I couldn't breathe that entire game. I think the whole third period I spent wheezing because I couldn't catch a breath. Yeah, how, so... How scary is that? Well, I, or frustrating. I, I don't know. The, maybe it's a different it's word for you. extremely frustrating. I didn't find it as scary because back in 
2020 i was in playoffs and it's right before covid was like officially february locked down. i was playing a game and i wheezed the entire game and i couldn't breathe and that was probably the scariest because you didn't know what was going on yeah there's a backstory there so yeah just before covid kicked off in february of 2020 um we were playing saskatoon in playoffs bantam double a and you seemed fine. When we went to the rink, we played that game. Nice, tight, one-goal game. Uh, we did lose that one. But it was it was a really good game. But the defense kept coming back. I was coaching. Kept coming to the bench and saying, Mackenzie can't breathe. Oh, I, I had no way to know if they're uh, exaggerating or what. And she seemed to be all right. So we just let the game go. Played to the end of the game. And I remember you changed and came, got into the truck, and we were driving away, and you were kind of breathing like a dog. You were panting. It was short, fast breaths, but just like like that. And I, I remember talking to you and asking you if you were all right and said, should we go to the hospital? And you're like, no, I feel fine. So we carried on. Uh, went home that night and it calmed down after uh, well, on the drive home from Saskatoon it calmed down um, later I mean we're only three weeks later COVID kicks off and then we know things about COVID the one thing you said after that was you'd lost your sense of taste and smell yeah I had all the weird symptoms that were popping up but I just didn't tell anyone because you so, didn't know them yet, so it sounded really weird. No, and I'll always remember that because I'd lost my sense of taste and smell. What? <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Then COVID comes along, we find that out. Clearly, she had COVID alpha, the, the original strain. And you played with two teams through playoffs. Oh, we beat Saskatoon out in game three. You had two back-to-back -back shutouts. Um, Proud dad. Yeah, well, you earned that, so I'll quote <laughs> it, right? And then played Swift the next round, and you played both those games, good, tight, one-goal games. But the second game... You were... I, I don't know what happened. I still had the same tr breathing trouble. Like, I couldn't breathe at all. But then after just one shift, I, I had to go to one knee because I was getting dizzy, could not breathe. So I think you brought an inhaler over and I tried an inhaler and it didn't work. We missed that part of the story. So we did take her to the doctor after the Saskatoon um, episode. They didn't have a clue what it was. Uh, they sent us to a respiratory specialist that did uh, a, a type of stress, stress test. test. Yes, made you go on a treadmill and then measured uh, your blood oxygen and things like that. Um, we never did get results from that, by the way. And that was in 2020, so that's three years ago. That's awesome. Um, but they called it, uh, their guess was juvenile asthma. She's done cross country. She's played sports. She's never had asthma. But that's what they called it. So they gave us a puffer to open up the airways. So we were using that. It wasn't helping at all. But anyway, I guess to make a long story short, through that window of time, it lasted for, I don't know, three weeks. Maybe your recovery was another three after that to be back to normal. But, but like we weren't playing sports anymore because COVID shut everything down. Yes. So I couldn't measure yeah, when exactly. I got better because I just did nothing for the The point month. is you did recover from having COVID, the, the original strain of COVID, fairly quick. And you played sports through it. This situation is totally different. So when you 
when we go back to Notre Dame and you're now you're having these issues, you're you're um, struggling to breathe on the ice. Uh, do you continue to play after that, or is it, or what point are you like, we have, or is it more issues start to, uh, I don't know, show themselves? Well, so that first game, I did end up playing through it, and then I think it was my next game, we were doing an off-ice warm-up, and the air, we were in a different rink, and the air was so cold that I was wheezing just by doing like a little jog, and so right before that game, I had to pull myself and not play and that was probably one of the worst experiences from this is having to pull myself I don't know it was probably 20 minutes before we were going to play because I couldn't even do high knees or anything so I didn't play that one and the rest of the weekend I just sat because my coach could tell I obviously wasn't getting better and, then and the think... goal was to make it to Christmas have two and a half weeks off we're going to recover come back in January and be good but then right after Mandy, I was finishing my fitness testing that I didn't do because I was away for pneumonia. And I was doing bench press and something just felt weird. And so my coach told me, you can finish it another day, go upstairs. So I was watching practice and all of a sudden I started wheezing. So every time I breathed in, I'd make an awful noise. And that probably lasted for an hour. And even I couldn't eat because of it. So my friend took me to our health care. And they phoned the ambulance and took me to Regina. And I think I was on oxygen for three hours, maybe, maybe five. Yeah, it was a long time. So we missed an ER visit in there. Um, when you couldn't play that game uh, with the cold rink, we took you to Moose Jaw to the ER and uh, had them look at you. Um, I was starting to question at that point, I was wising up to things and I was worried about myocarditis, like heart issues. Um, so there's a blood test they can do to look for troponin levels, which is a marker of uh, heart stress. So we went to Moose Jaw to the ER um, instead of Regina because we assumed the wait time would be better, which we were right. Um, got in right away. Um, they did do blood tests. Um, and the troponin, I do believe it showed two, which is low, but it's not zero. Um, basically told you to take it easy and that was it. There wasn't a lot of information there, just the blood test, that's it, put you on oxygen briefly and then you came home with us. And I think at that point, I also started having my chest pains. I think it was right after the pneumonia I started having two different types of chest pain. One was a stabbing on my left side that would come and go, and that one would last like three seconds, but it would be painful. And then the other one was just kind of a heavy chest. I can't breathe because it felt like an elephant was sitting on me. And that was constant for quite a few months after. Until mid-February, actually. So there's a lot to add here. Um, so we were really starting to worry at that point. Um, without using a name or even a pronoun, um, I ended up talking to a doctor um, that we knew and um, he read her history and all the symptoms 
I already messed up with the pronoun, but whatever. I don't think anybody's going to piece that together. Well, I'm being cautious. Yeah. So anyway, we talked to him, uh, gave him the history and what's going on and whatnot. And off the record, because nothing was written down, this is just a, a phone call and a conversation. He said, it sounds like it's from the vaccine and you need to get a couple tests. And he explained what the tests were. And that's as much as he could help. But I was very happy that he gave us that. So then I was on a two-month mission to get... Um, heart echo was what I was looking for. I couldn't find a doctor for two months that would do it, but eventually we did. And what did the heart, did the heart echo show anything? We just did it like a month ago. Yeah. So in February, we ended up, uh, we're jumping, there's so much to the story. Uh, In February. Sorry, and I don't mean to jump you around. No, there's just so much to fill in it's it's impossible to stay on timeline um in february we had been referred by our family doctor to a specialist in regina and uh that was a massive waste of time i'm actually still disgusted with that uh both my wife and i took the day off went and got mckenzie we took him to their to the appointment walked in they did a quick ecg and uh, blood pressure went into his office he checked uh, with the stethoscope for breathing, and that was it. That was the complete testing that he did. We're at a specialist, and that's all he did. He has a half-drink Red Bull on his desk, completely disinterested. I discussed things with him for probably 15 minutes to tie him up, Um, but the one thing I did get him to agree to was an echo. So we left that appointment. Uh, Oh, actually, there's more to that. Um, so he looks at Mackenzie near the end of the, uh, meeting appointment and, uh, says six to nine months, you'll be okay. That's it. She started to tear up cause that's the end of her season. And he callously just looks at her and says, why are you crying? As a dad, I wanted to lose it, but he agreed to give us the echo and I needed that echo. So we just got out of the office and went and regrouped, went and had supper and tried to get everything settled again. And we ended up getting the echo results back, oh, I think it's two and a half weeks ago. And there's a written report on it. And the first half of the report says that I have fluid around my heart. But then when you keep reading at the end of the report, it says there's no fluid around the heart. And we've been trying to talk to people to find out what it actually is. So the report was written poorly enough our family doctor couldn't interpret it. So she has to go back to whoever interpreted the results to find out what it actually said. If it's abnormal fluid buildup around the heart, it's a sign of pericarditis. We've been waiting two weeks for that answer. And we have phoned the specialist that ordered it. And we've phoned our family doctor. We're not getting answers. I I haven't discussed with public health that I don't know I can communicate properly. They just don't care. There is a narrative. They are protecting it. And it's disgusting. Like there's a 17-year-old kid in front of you. The person is supposed to matter. We went through all of COVID with uh, no one can get COVID. We got to keep everyone safe. Well, where'd that go? Don't seem to care about keeping people safe now because it doesn't fit the narrative. Actually, I'll go a little farther than that too. 
I can't believe that the doctors, all the doctors don't care. I, I, I can't quite get there. But the College of Physicians and Surgeons who hold their careers at ransom, activist, leftist, fools, they control the doctors. And if a doctor speaks up, how many of you had on your podcast of doctors that have spoke up? Lots. They do not have income anymore. They do not have a license. And that is the top of the food chain. That's what has to change. If doctors were allowed to test and to look, like time and time again, we watched, we went into appointments and they had pre-decided what they were going to say before we sat down because they'd read her chart. They knew where things were timelined from. They were timelined from the second shot. The inflammation started and the inflammation is uh, one of the first things the body does when it starts to get in trouble. The immune system kicks off an, an inflammatory response. That's what it does. It all timelines properly. No one, uh, well, I shouldn't say no one. So there's more to that story. Um, Canadian doctors won't look at that because it might cost them their job. Most likely it'll cost them their job. I know, but that's got to change. Like the Freedom Convoy, probably the first thing it did was, well, from all the people on the side of the road, et cetera, et cetera, it showed people we're not alone. The people that were thinking mm, against the narrative, we weren't abnormal. There were lots of people like us. This is maybe the same, right? People need to speak out on this because there are a lot. Of, we aren't alone is my point, I guess, to connect that thought. What's happened to McKenzie? There are thousands of McKenzie's out there. Yeah, no, I, I always go, <clears throat> my hesitation, if there is one, reservation is maybe the, of having someone as young as you on is I'm just like, oh, man, like, I I don't think anything bad ever comes from this. I don't think, right? Because I, I agree with your dad in that I think there's going to be people that are going to reach out and say thank you for saying what I could not or I didn't have the opportunity to say. But at the same time, you're so young. It's like you got so much life ahead of you, you know? But uh, in the same token, you also have experienced something that they say isn't happening and has never happened or you know, safe and effective and all these different keywords. And you're living out an experience that, uh, I think a lot of people's hearts just break for. It's like, this should not have happened. And yet it has happened. Um, and how many people are suffering in silence, trying to deal with this by themselves, not finding any help in the healthcare system. Cause we didn't. Okay. I'll go there. Um, so, um, through connections, we'll just put it that way. We got the number out of an out of, or a number for an out of country doctor, and we reached out to them. I mean, you're obviously paying for it at that point, but for the first time, we uh, did a video conference on the first appointment. But we uploaded all the history, everything plus symptoms, plus our our vitals, plus all our observations, everything, a lot of data, and we. We collected it well, sent it to him, uh, had our uh, first conference, and within five minutes, we had a diagnosis and we had treatment. And both of which, actually, it's, it's even better than that. We had both those, 
plus he gave treatment options uh, a, a gentle approach or a more aggressive approach and let us choose he also added um, papers research papers uh, resources videos to explain why he diagnosed the way he did and why the medication that he was looking to use would help I mean it was busy because there was a lot to read and there was a lot to watch uh, that consumed me for probably two months but I absorbed as much as I could uh, anyway the point is immediately you had answers and we had been fighting in Canada looking for answers for three months three four months well three months actively and probably had seen 12 doctors by that point with nothing no one had came close to a diagnosis not even a guess what they do is pass you you go in well, we're actually not sure. I'm going to send you to a specialist. You go to the specialist. Well, we don't know. Wait six to nine months. Come back in three. Well, why would we come back? What did you think of uh, the video conference, of having a doctor say, I'm pretty sure this is what you have and here's why? Well, I found it kind of weird because, I don't know, I've never heard of it and Dad said it's worth a try. So I went to the hotel with Mom and I had a game that day. So we were listening through it and... It seemed like he knew more about me than I did at that point. And he knew every single one of my symptoms by heart already. And we've just met then. And he didn't just sugarcoat everything for me. He told me straight out what was happening. And he told me he does know how to fix it. And then I think he also reached us to another family that was also dealing with this a too. I'm in contact with a couple families across Canada that have dealt with him yeah man we talk just so he could reassure us it's not just us and he's checked in once a week or something yeah yeah but at that point i'd come back to school after being home for two weeks to do testing then leaving again for more testing and i'd never have an answer so when people ask so what's wrong with you i couldn't tell them yet so then rumors started going around that I was actually faking it because I couldn't handle the pressure. So I think it was mostly just a relief. I didn't care how severe <laughs> the diagnosis was. I was just happy I finally had an answer. So when people asked me what's wrong with you, I could actually tell them instead of saying, oh, I'm not sure yet, we're still trying, but it's been four months with no answers. So I think to connect a lot of these things. Uh, that was in early February that we had our first appointment with him and we chose the cautious approach, not the aggressive approach from the international doc. Um, so um, we carried on, we started all that stuff and um, it would have been late February. Um, we uh, we caught something else going on. I was talking to her one night on the phone and we were just spitballing ideas. And I'm like, well, developed allergies are another sign of vaccine injury. That you can develop allergies that just weren't there after being vaccinated. So I told her to go to the, um, the rink concession and get uh, Reactin or something. Just try it once. It can't hurt. That's, that's going to be fine. Um, and she told me, I can't go right now because no one's there to go with me and I'm not sure if I can make it. I'm like, what? Um, so I was home for testing 
and while I was home, we went and saw some people just to lighten the mood and everything. And I was walking out of Battleford Rink after watching my cousin play, and I kind of felt like my legs just, I lost them under me, and I kind of just stumbled over my own feet for a second, and I thought nothing of it. And then the next day, Mom was dropping me back off at Notre Dame, and we were walking in a concession store, and my wet, my legs just felt wobbly, like I couldn't walk, but it only lasted like probably two minutes, so I thought I'd been in a car for three hours, it's nothing. And then while every day went on, my legs got worse and worse. And so it started off with just two minutes, my legs felt weird, they hurt, I can't walk. And then by Wednesday, it was, I think it was half an hour to 45 minutes, I go to take a step and it's like my brain forgot how to walk and I'd lose my legs, my knees would buckle, my legs go jello and I can't control them. So when I try to take a step, I'll fall, or my legs will kind of just wobble. Like, mom makes fun of me all the time and <laughs> sings the wobble song while I'm walking because I couldn't physically walk on my own. So at that point, it was happening maybe three times a day for half an hour. And I told mom, and I think I was scared to tell dad because I'd have to go home, <laughs> and I just got back to Notre Dame. And I think... One day I was walking back from eating supper with my friends and it happened and they hadn't seen it yet because I've been keeping it a secret. And it was so bad that I had to have one person on each arm and someone holding my back so I could walk on my, well, not on my own, but actually walk to my room. And by that Friday, I finally told dad, my auntie came and picked me up and it kind of just got worse from there. So there's some things to add to that. But yeah, I was kind of in the dark until I accidentally caught that one phrase in a conversation. Then I got curious. Um, we, uh, we got her to, when I, when I heard it was happening, I went and got my sister who lives down there to go pick her up, get her to her house because she lives just outside of Regina. It's close to the hospital. And we didn't know what was happening. Um, so I got reading and... Um, I found something called the tip test. Um, it's a test for POTS. Um, and I don't remember the long version of POTS, but it's a syndrome that you can get. Um, so we got her to my sister's and we did the tip test, which is simply you lay down for a couple minutes and you monitor vitals, blood pressure, uh, pulse, so to everything while you do this. So she laid down for two minutes, then get up to a sitting position for two minutes monitoring all your vitals through that and then after two minutes stand up and we triggered it and we got it on video and we got the vitals and we like I was actually happy that night because it's like taking a car to the garage right yeah if it isn't acting out you're that's like, right and we figured out how to trigger it so I'm like yes we can go to a doctor and they're gonna take this seriously because we can we can make it happen again well, um, that I think was on a Thursday, right? Well, it was during playoffs. So mm -hmm. mom came on a Thursday. Are you, you still playing hockey at this time? No. I think my last game was the middle of January. Yep. I think the other at the goalie start, got hurt. At the start of January, I was playing full games, but like I think in the most pain I've ever been in and like needing my inhaler every fifth shift. And 
I think it was end of January, we went down to Battleford. No, we went down to Saskatoon first, and it wasn't my game to play. The other goalie was playing, but she got hurt. So I got thrown in, and I managed. I played half the game. I didn't do awful, but it hurt a lot. And then that next day, she was still hurt, so it was my turn to play. And I lasted one period, and I had to be pulled because I couldn't breathe. I was getting dizzy. My eyesight was going funky. Chest pains were unbearable, so I think that was my last game. Yeah, I had forced you at that point to have the BP, the machine, in the dressing room with you, and I had your assistant coach pull you out to do it. And her blood pressure after that first period was 120 over 110. So the diastolic, anything over 100 is a big problem. That's stage one hypertension. Over 110, stage two hypertension. This is really, really bad. So, yeah, that was when you stopped because heart attack was possible. But at this with point. the mindset, I'd be playing in a month. Like, I didn't, the leg thing was, we didn't have a clue that would happen. So I thought, I'll take a month off, be ready for playoffs, and I'd be fine. Yeah, we kind of backtracked with the story. We're, we're back in That's late. All right. That's we're back right. in late January now. So, um, we're it's in, been It's been a, awful year then i mean not quite a year i'm, I'm speaking really to, i mean to yeah. both of you but i mean you, you get uh, the opportunity to go play triple a hockey right love everything about the program got a bunch of great friends there you like the coach i mean geez you know usually you don't have all those things going yeah. on usually one of them's out of whack and 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 instead you're you know it's pneumonia and you're like, oh man, just go away. And then, then you know, or before that, I guess it's it's uh, the sore hips, the sore back, the pneumonia, and it just keeps progressively getting worse and worse and worse. Um, couple things. Um, the pneumonia, uh, the ER visit that was uh, what ten days after the first time we'd went in in November, um, and they told you you had pneumonia. The ER visit where you're ambulanced in, the attending looked at her x-rays from 10 days ago and said, you, or I think it was 10 days, I might be off, said it's not pneumonia. That's not pneumonia. So again, we're without diagnosis. They called it pneumonia. They treated it for pneumonia. It progressively got worse for the next three months. And I think we tried pregnazone too. Mid-January, our family doc uh, tried a six-day cycle of prednisone, like a steroid, right? Yeah. She and got worse the whole time we were on it. The last day, we even debated not giving it to her that day because she was going downhill. Weird that a steroid makes you worse. So I, I would probably say, because I've thought this a couple times, it's kind of a Dickens novel. It was the best of times and the worst of times. Like, she loved Notre Dame. Or you say it, don't make me say it. <laughs> no, that's right. And the most challenging year you could imagine. You can't make this any tougher. And you gave me the opportunity to come home probably 15 times. Yes, because I, I didn't know how this story was going to end, and I was not comfortable. And I think I said no very harshly every single time. You, you said no every time. <laughs> I didn't get anywhere with that. 
Um, but going back to when my legs went wonky, mom came to pick me up, but we were having our first round of playoffs, so I wanted to watch. So we stayed for that game, and my walking at that point would last four hours, and I couldn't walk on my own. So my teammates would, the other two that were sick and sitting out, they would have to help me walk to the bathroom, walk to the dressing room, and like I couldn't walk on my own at all at that point without having to hold on to something. And so after that game, we drove to Saskatoon because then I wanted to watch more hockey because my friend was playing. And during that game, oh, before the game at 3 p.m., my legs went and it did not, this was the longest my legs, like I had no control over my legs for. And it was eight o'clock at that game and my right foot Think. Here's your right. Yeah, my right foot started twitching, like on involuntarily. I couldn't make it stop. It started twitching, and that twitch lasted for 14 hours. Mm-hmm. So we went to the hospital, and I stayed overnight. And for 14 hours, my leg just twitched, tremored, just tremored and twitched. Not a little bit, a lot. Like I was kicking the air, and it was painful because it started cramping up. But I sat there forever. Well, with- there's a bunch of things. Now we're into this part of the story. Uh, there was a blizzard down there because we and it probably all worked the right way here. Uh, that was on a Thursday. We caught the first tremor on camera and the tip test and figured out how to do it. Friday was the game and my wife went down to pick her up. But a blizzard hit and it was a good enough blizzard down there that... Uh, PA had to stay overnight in our house. Yes, the bus dorm. couldn't leave. The bus was snowed in. Like it was a gooder. So they were there till Saturday afternoon before they could even get on the roads and make their way to Saskatoon. In Saskatoon, they decided to stop and watch this hockey game. Thank goodness they did because it would have been a longer drive the other way if she had got home. So my wife called me halfway through the game and had a video of her leg just. I don't know the right word, convulsing, shaking, trembling, uh, whatever you want to use, but it was moving a lot. It actually looked a little bit like, you know, someone with CP, uh, that type of thing. I said, go to, go to the ER now. Uh, so I got in the truck and I started driving because I was back home with our other kid. I was coaching a game with him. So we got to Saskatoon. I do have some complaints that I'm going to fit into this too. Um, they admitted her got a little bit of sarcasm from the nurse about how she got in the building. If you can't walk, how did you get in the building? Well, it was in a wheelchair. Uh, why is all I've got to say about that. Anyway, I get a text from my wife. Um, they took her because she's 17. They called her a mature minor. So they moved her into a waiting room behind locked doors into a waiting room by herself. So this is a 17 year old with a condition that we didn't understand. They didn't understand didn't know where it was going and took the parent out of the equation, put her in her own waiting room. So at that point, I'm in my own head driving down there and all I could think of is they're going to boost her. They've got her by herself and they're going to come in and boost her because that's the answer for everything. More, More COVID. More COVID boosters will fix it. So I drove pretty fast, I won't lie to you. Got there and... Long story short, I got through the locked doors and we were with her the rest of the night. You were angry 
and it was probably the worst thing that could have happened for me getting through that door because <laughs> you were not friendly. I took but my I don't anger out on dad. Oh, yeah. Not in the nicest way. No, it was kind of vicious. It's funny now. But uh, anyway, like the leg trembling was bad enough, and we have videos of this. I took my coat off and tied it around her leg because she was hammering her heel off the wheelchair. Every convulsion would just heel kick the wheelchair. So I tied it up to try and keep you from breaking your heel. You were bruising already. Um, yeah, so that was fun. We spent all night, um, accidentally figured out uh, when you fell asleep at like five in the morning, it shut it off. She stopped tremoring when she fell asleep. And of course, being in a hospital, first thing they did was find a way to set it off again so they could watch it. Uh, you, you didn't feel like going back to sleep right away. But uh, yeah, we had Neuro come and go through everything and credit to them, they uh, did a CT. Um, it was clear, which was good. I remember asking if they would do an MRI as well and getting laughed at. Uh, they said, you're not sick enough for a MRI. We only do that for pre-surgery patients. I'm like, okay. So we, uh, once we were done with that, uh, we went and bought our own MRI in uh, Edmonton and had that done. And that came back clear too. Like this is how confusing this whole thing is. Can I ask as a parent, why did they not let your wife through when they deemed her a mature minor? Like what was the reasoning? Because by now we're into early part of 2023, right? That's right. So why wouldn't they allow her to sit with? Mature minor. That doesn't make any sense to me, though. At that point, there's no... To me either, Sean. I was angry when I got there. It didn't take me long to get past there. I, I, I got lucky, and I used my head. I waited for one nurse to get away from the de desk, and then I went to her and had a one-on-one -on -one parent talk with her, and she let me through but they weren't letting us through. I can't explain it. I was angry though. Like that's insane. I think we were in a room that was probably the size of the studio. And so it, for the listener, that's 12 by 12. It was very small. There's no TV, no paintings. Like it's just a, a blank wall. And it was me and two old men that were sitting with me. And at that point, my leg was cramping so bad that I was bawling and mm -hmm. mom and dad were on the other side of the wall and, and no who were the who were the old men oh i don't know <laughs> they became my buddies though <laughs> because they saw me bawling and the nurse would mm. not come over like they just I, they had other things they were doing i'm not mad at them but this is a strange you you know of all the story you've told to this point this might be the strangest part and I, <laughs> that's saying a lot we can probably make it worse if you want us to try it's been a long go well i i i just Carry on. I, I hate to interrupt. I just like, so you're in a room with nothing on the walls. Your parents are on the other side. You got two men in there that you don't know. None of them are hospital staff. The nurse won't come in because that's strange. Yeah. And they won't let a parent, like, carry on. I, I'm just, I'm pointing out how insane this story is right now. Yep. All so, true. Yeah, it was cramping so bad. And like dad said, my foot was bruising at that point because I, I'm still in my wheelchair. I can't move to go to the bathroom on my, by myself because I can't walk by myself. Um, I think my phone was dead, so I couldn't really talk to anyone. So I just kind of sat there. So the old men made conversation with me. They were asking how I was doing, asking for my story. And they were nice because they were taking my mind off of it until dad and mom finally <laughs> were able to come in. And uh, um, 
what were the old men in there for? Like, was it just, just a holding room? Okay, I, it I was to... like there was a waiting room, <clears throat> and then they take you past doors, and it's another waiting room to get into a... I think it was for um, a, a more detailed look, like they do their initial... Um, there's a word for it, and I can't think, but their initial uh, look at your triage, basically, right? And then they put you in another waiting room to have, and in her case, it was neuro. They wanted neuro to look at her because of the, the leg, right? The twitching leg. I don't know what the others were in there for. I mean, when I got in, I was talking with her and getting yelled at, so I have no idea what they were doing. The old boys were in for a show that <laughs> night. Oh, boy. You know? I was happy when her battery died on her phone because the texts <laughs> were vicious. If she could have figured out how to wheel herself out, she would have left the hospital that night. Well, and I wouldn't let her. We were trying to get answers. It was like six hours in, and I'm done with hospitals at this point. I've been in and out of hospitals, ERs. Without one answer. Yeah, ever. and I didn't want to go through another, you're fine, go home. I'd rather just do it myself and go home. Which you did. Yes, I made you stay there, and that's what happened, is you're fine, go yeah. home. Um, ironically, when, when we did get her home after this, um, just through trial and error, the other way to stop her foot from tremoring, warm water. You put her feet in warm water, and all of a sudden, it levels right out and stops. Take it out, and it would start again. Back into warm water, it would stop. Which is really weird, because the only thing heat would do is circulation, right? Your vessels um, dilate, right? Or not dilate. They get bigger. Um, and what Neuro was looking for is some sort of a, a nervous issue, right, was setting it off and whatnot and it's the opposite it's cold that calms nerves not heat heat aggravates and makes it worse so now that i've said both things yeah i'm i'm that confused because uh well actually let's just move with the circulation so so we get home from that um learn how to control them by you know warm blankets uh, water and the f feet in water and keeping you nice and warm but at this point my I don't I don't have a word for them yet. My wobbly not being able to walk, that is a constant now. And that lasted yes. for three weeks. I couldn't walk on my own. So we got my grandma's old cane and my grandma's old walker, and that was the only way I could walk. Yeah, but we got you moving a little bit, which was all right. It was ugly. I thought you were going to fall most of the time, but you did it. So anyway, we clearly, once we got back from this and no answers again, um, we called the uh, out-of-country doctor and um, filled him in on everything, sent the videos and whatnot, and he pushed me hard to get more aggressive. And I agreed. So we went on a, um, um, a blood thinner, uh, anticoagulant actually is what it is, and um, four days after starting those meds, when we finally got them, because it takes a little bit to get your prescriptions, but when we started it four days after, I had went to work already. Uh, Mackenzie is still sleeping, and my wife um, texted me with a picture of her legs, and they were blue-gray, no color, cold to the touch. And this is in the morning after she'd been sleeping for the night sent me the picture and I said get her to the emergency room fast that's a blood clot there's no color in the legs blood is where you get your color we have pictures of that as well 
Um, your mom got you up and got you to the front door. And by the time we got to the front door, color was returning. So my sister's a nurse. I had, she hadn't left for work yet. So I had her run there. I was already an hour away from, so I couldn't get back in time. And my sister looked at her and it's good, but we cleared a blood clot, um, through her legs. Another one of these COVID side effects, the vaccine side effects, clots. You've heard the clot shot. Well, we got to watch it. So luckily, I guess I'll just fast forward past that. It has not happened again. Thank goodness, because that was scary. Um, but it was also another indication of the doctor that was actually on our side, giving us diagnosis, giving us direction. He was right. Four days after starting the, the medication he wanted us to be on, she cleared a blood clot through her legs. So I bring that up because was it circulation? Is it nervous system? Why was the leg twitching? I don't know. But it was pretty interesting that you start a blood thinner and you clear a clot within four days. I don't even know what questions they ask, to be honest. I'm just kind of like a little bit in awe of multiple things. The story itself, how both of you can smile going through this, you know, and I'm sure that as you've pointed out multiple, multiple, multiple times, that was not always the case. But uh, um, does the um, optimism come from uh, finding somebody who will just address it and be like, this is what it is, and these are the things we have to do? We were in trouble without finding that other doctor, the out-of-country doctor. Are we nervous to say who it is? Uh, well, I didn't. The only reason I'm talking like that, and it is completely intentional, is it's an avenue for anyone who needs it that is in trouble. Here's the story, and it's like we're in the same situation or similar. Yeah. I will talk to anyone, and sure. I will tell them well, exactly so where to go. For the listener, yes. assuming we release this, yes. um, I'll put my numbers in the show notes, and if you want to get a hold of Seth, just text me. See, it's simply easy. Exactly. We'll pass along, and Seth has given me the go-ahead to pass his number along to anyone who texts. That way we can just streamline it, and away we go. Yeah, I am comfortable with that. I don't want this avenue blocked, and I don't trust government at all. That's fair. I really don't, and this is important because this might have saved her. Like, I can only do so much reading. We couldn't find a doctor that, yep, whatever, cared enough to spend some time and run some tests to actually rule things out. Because if you can't figure out what it is, figure out what it isn't. But there was so little of that that went on without him getting us on the right path. So I, I guess you should probably say, uh, it's been a, since that period of time, what, a month and a half? It's May now, so it's probably been a month and a half. And the improvement has continued. Like, the leg doesn't do what it was doing then, right? No, like, I haven't had a twitch happen since that one twitch. And I can walk now, but we've learned that I can do one lap of our block and then my legs go weird. Or I try to participate in anything I can. So I've been doing discus at school just so I can do anything and... I'm trying not to move my legs. I just throw with my arm. But I got cocky one day because my legs felt okay that day. And I added a spin in there. And then right after that, my legs went down and I was wobbly and couldn't walk. And so I'm improving, but it's been, how long did you, two months of not being able to walk properly 
or play sports or even squat to work out. Yeah, none of that. But it's improvement. And I'll use the word stable. So we're optimistically positive that we're on the mend. Just don't know timeline. Did did you have, and I can't remember if we talked about this at coffee, did you have an, a time where you're at the North Battle for Drink as well in there where you, or am I remembering this wrong, where you had an ambulance? Am I am I wrong on that? No, not at North Battleford. That That is when, that was the second last game you, last game you played, right? Where you only made one period and your vision started to go blurry. Yeah. And I did that uh, 120 over 110 blood pressure, right? Stage two hypertension. Uh, color was terrible. It just, it didn't look good. Why did I think, uh, but I'm just going to make this, I'm making sure my, I'm going to just filter out this thought. So if I remember it correct, wrong, you weren't at a North Battleford game. Why do I think that? Why did I, I thought you were at a Stars game. Am I just completely talking wonky? Stars. Saskatoon Stars oh, in the female Sasca- AAA league. Uh, I totally thought it was the North Balfour Stars. <laughs> no, it's the Saskatoon Saskatoon Stars. Stars. So you're talking, that's when it's you and your mom at the rink together. Yes, yeah. luckily in Saskatoon close to the emergency room. Because Got you. Because a blizzard. Yes, I, 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 that was going to bother me. for the, I'm like, I thought yeah. there was, anyways, the Stars, the Saskatoon Stars. Of yes. course, I don't know my female hockey nearly enough, well, obviously. That's, that's okay. Obviously. How, um, I guess... For an athlete who has, you know, by the looks of you, been active all of her life to now be where she can walk around the block once. She's doing discus, but if she gets cocky, you know, to laugh it off, I'm like, good on you, right? Uh, I don't don't know how angry I'd be. I'd probably be pretty pissed off myself. Um, How frustrating has it been uh, the last little bit or are you like optimistic because you're actually like listen we're starting to make some strides here i'm probably both like i'm optimistic because walking around the block is probably the highlight of my day or being able to pick anything up because before i couldn't lift a thing of tide over my head to do laundry like my legs would give out doing that so i'm optimistic in the fact that i am getting better and i can do things like i can drive on my own but I'm also very frustrated because when I had my chest, lungs, heart stuff going on, people did not believe me, and I had so many rumors made up about me. But then the second that everyone got to see me tumble and trip over my legs, then everyone was my best friend by my side, and they finally believed I was sick once they saw I was sick. I actually saw the relief in her face when her legs went and she couldn't walk. Like, it's awful. it wasn't a secret like, anymore. It was obvious. I was watching one was of our. Liberating. I was watching one of our playoff games, and <laughs> I can sometimes feel when my legs are gonna go weird, and I knew they were. So I told mom, "I'm going to the bathroom. I think I'm fine. My friend's gonna come with me." So we got up, and mom told me that literally the whole rink just stared at me as I tried to walk on my own. I think I. That was in Saskatoon. No, this was in Notre okay. Dame. Saskatoon, anywhere I went and my legs were weird, I had everyone staring. Because if some if that happened to someone else, I wouldn't know what to say either, so I don't judge them for just staring. But it kind of was a relief when I saw my classmates, my friends, my old teammates all see me like that because they finally believed after how many months of telling people, 
they'd ask, how's Kenzie doing? She, they would say, oh, she's fine. She's at home again because she's getting more testing, but there's nothing wrong with her. But it's better now. I was glad that people finally saw how bad I was because they finally believed me. And even people at home, they didn't get to see it, but they've seen the video and they've heard about it. So even they're kind of laying back a bit with their comments still, which is helpful, I guess. I appreciate you coming in and doing this. I I, I will say this. Um, it takes a lot of uh, courage, gumption, a couple of different words in there to come sit across. Um uh, and do something like this. Most people are afraid of the mic to begin with, but to talk about something like this is, uh, well, I'm just, honestly, I think uh, um, there's been a few different uh, teenagers now that have come across my path that I just admire because it's like, holy crap, most adults won't come and talk about this stuff, right? There's a lot of people who will not talk about it. So I admire you for uh, coming in and doing this. And um, being open to my thoughts and questions and then having your dad uh, do what Seth does. And, and <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to see a, a dad-daughter duo come in here. Um, but before we shut it off, is there anything else that you want to make sure that gets said? Because, I mean, we have all the time in the world. So if there's other things you want to make sure people know, uh, bring up, uh, please. Uh, I don't want to cut it off too soon. If you have uh, a kid or a family member that's having weird health problems and testing is not finding it, take it seriously. Don't wait. We probably lost three months at the beginning with the inflammation response through her body, not jumping on it because we didn't recognize where it was going. Like, don't listen to the two weeks. If it doesn't happen in two weeks, it won't happen. Want to bet? We just lived it. It's been building for a very long time and we're still not through it. So don't be passive. There are answers. You're not going to find them in Canada, but there are answers to find out there and money's useless uh, compared to your family. So find your answers. Another, I want to go back because I've thought of another thing that also sure. happened. Um, I don't know when it happened actually. I notice it start happening the start of second semester, which would be know, end of January. I have some, cool. I think it's called brain fog. I think that's what they call it. So I was a smart student. Like I, things came really easy to me. And once second semester happened, all of a sudden I just found that I could not do anything. Like You can't brag for yourself, but I can. Uh, she was on a roll at Notre Dame, like going from her school to a new school and being pushed harder and still ends up on the honor roll. Yeah, so a, a very astute student. Yeah, like math is one of my favorite subjects. Like I enjoy school, but... I feel like there's an inside <laughs> joke here with you. <laughs> no. But all of a sudden I started struggling and like, every subject and I wasn't sure why and then once I kind of came home because of my legs we started noticing stuff because I can't remember stuff well anymore and dad says it's the brain fog and like I'll be writing a math test that should have taken me an hour to do normally and it took me two hours and 45 minutes to complete it in fairness it was your mom that pointed out the brain fog I didn't piece that together at all but like that was it's, your mom. 
even stuff like I was someone was asking where are your teachers names from Notre Dame and I blanked like I couldn't remember my own teachers names that I've been with for how many months or they'll ask me have you taken your pills today and I have to go check because I can't remember if I actually took my pills today or not and then it kind of led to my speech like it's not as noticeable because I have to think about it a lot but I will run scenarios through my head all the time to think of words like before I speak I have to think like three times because I lose words halfway through when I'm talking or I'll forget what I'm even saying while I'm talking sometimes we've had plenty of those middle conversation and <laughs> it's just done <laughs> that's probably besides the legs that's been another one of the most frustrating things because with the chest stuff I could play through it not easily at all but like I can't do normal things anymore like just doing schoolwork is such a challenge or having a conversation with my dad is a challenge because I can't <laughs> talk properly sometimes because my brain just isn't processing what I'm supposed to be saying or I can't remember to do certain things. But at the end of the day, as long as you're getting better, if you lose one semester of school, it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. True. Anything else? I, 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 at this point, I'm, I'm just like, I'm in awe of you two. At one point and another, I'm like, I just can't believe how much over the course of like an eight month period has gone on. And, you know, I, uh, I hope to the listener, you know, like, uh, I know that you're not a unique case because I know of some different athletes that I've heard about, um, from even this community that they've had their own issues. And so, um, I just, uh, I don't know. I don't have the words, Mackenzie, for, for uh, allowing to come in here and, and do this and everything else. Um, I'll let the audience uh, probably uh, say a few th different things, whether it's online or through the text line, and, and let them do the speaking. Either way, I just want to thank you for coming in, and Seth, for, you know, uh, you know being here as well. Um, once again, a dad-daughter, I hope in years to come, I hope it's under, you know, uh, under the the – you know, of winning championships and, and different cool things of going to the Olympics or, you know, I, I don't know, like it's, it's been heavy topics in here for a long time. And someday I hope that changes, but for the foreseeable future right now, it seems like these are going to be some conversations that need to be had and need to be heard. Absolutely. Hey folks, thanks for tuning in today. I hope you uh, enjoyed today's episode. Uh, once again, I just want to say thank you to the Bloom family, Bloom family for um, allowing me to sit in and, and uh, discuss with them uh, their story. Uh, I think it's, uh, I don't know, is it courageous? I, I think it maybe is the right word. Either way, for, for them to come openly and, and just talk about kind of what they've been going through, I uh, appreciate them trusting me to you know, to sit across from again and hopefully captured in the, the right light. Um, I, today's episode is brought to you by CalRock Industries. They uh, supply used surplus frac sales and production tanks here in the oil field. If you're around the Lloydminster area, just go to calrock.ca. They got all their new used and refurbished oil and gas equipment in stock, and you can find out everything about them. Just go to calrock.ca. I want to remind you that uh, June 10th, uh, Tom Luongo, Alex Craner, SMP presents Luongo and Craner will be on stage at the uh, 
Gold Horse Casino here in Lloydminster. And if you want to get tickets in the show notes, there's a link there. Click on it and uh, hope to see you uh, in Lloydminster June 10th. I think that's going to be an exciting night and uh, look forward to uh, hopefully bumping into a lot of you. Either way, uh, I hope you've enjoyed this week's, uh, you know, man, we've we've done the gambit, haven't we? And uh, from one topic to the other. Either way, we'll catch up to you Monday. Until then.